Losing Weight to Gain Control. Today's episode, The Galveston Diet with Dr. Mary Claire Haver. Welcome to today's episode of the Losing Weight to Gain Control podcast. This is Gwen Alexander, your host. This is a podcast to encourage you on your weight loss journey. It doesn't matter if you're at the beginning of, in the middle of, or at maintenance, because we all need some encouragement. And if you'd like some extra encouragement, you can follow me on Facebook. That's at facebook.com backslash Alexander. And I try to post things that I do to stay on track and some of the challenges that I face and how I try to get over those. And you can also visit my website, thugwinalexander.com, where there are several resources to help you along your weight loss journey. There's the free 14-day Get Started Guide, and it'll help you evaluate where you are in your life and where you are with your eating habits. And there's also available a food journal and the Believe and Achieve journal to help you with your goals. And today, I have a special treat for you. I have a guest, and our guest today is Dr. Mary Claire Haver. Dr. Haver is a wife, mom, physician, and entrepreneur who has devoted her adult life to women's health. As a board-certified OBGYN in the Houston area, Dr. Haver has delivered thousands of babies, completed thousands of well-woman exams, consulted patients, taught residents, and did everything an academic professor and OBGYN could do. As her patient population aged, she was overwhelmed with the number of complaints and concerns her patients had with weight gain while going through menopause. For years, she told her patients to eat less and exercise more. And it wasn't until she too experienced the changes of menopause that she realized this advice doesn't work. Dr. Haver is the founder and creator of the Galveston Diet, the first and only nutrition program in the world created by a female OBGYN designed for women in menopause. The Galveston Diet is dedicated to helping women reach their health and wellness goals through an anti-inflammatory approach to nutrition. And Dr. Haver, are you there? I'm here. Welcome to the Losing Weight to Gain Control podcast. Thank you. The topic that we're talking talking about today is one I've heard a lot of my friends talk to me about we're all in our 40s and all going through it seems like the same thing of what we did in our 20s and maybe our 30s doesn't seem to work for us now and we're having to change lots of things in our life. I I thank you for your your timely message coming at this time. Thank you. I'm happy to share. One of the uh, things that I like to ask people is what made you decide to go into this particular uh, field of the medical branch? Um, so when we are in med school, we do our third and fourth years, we rotate through all of the different specialties and you start really getting a feel for where you're, you find your calling. And OB-GYN was the last of my rotations. And I was really upset towards the end because I hadn't found that, you know, oh, this is it, that aha moment. And then when I got to my OB-GYN rotation, the very first day I was in labor and delivery and actually got to participate in a delivery. 
And it struck me like a lightning bolt that this was where my path was and what I was meant to do with the rest of my life. So I did the OB-GYN residency, four years of training, and then started practicing uh, immediately after. So you were you found what you wanted to do pretty quickly. Another question I have is, so you said that a lot of your, your patients, when they were getting older, would come to you and say, hey, guess what? I'm gaining weight and I don't know what's going on. And But you said at that time you were kind of like, well, you just eat eat less and exercise more. Can you maybe uh, tell us a little more about that when you were going through that in your practice? Exactly. It's kind of embarrassing. I, I'm, I'm a little ashamed to say that for you know, 15, 20 years, I patted patients on the knee, I listened to them empathetically, and told them the advice that I was taught. You know, we didn't have any nutrition training. We really you know, we're just taught, you know, to do surgery and deliver babies. And, you know, but when it came to the other aspects of health, other than work out more and eat less, I wasn't really given any other advice. And so I would hear it over and over and over again. And I would just think to myself, are they being truthful? I mean, really, is this many patients coming in? I mean, these were women who were and otherwise had been in great shape most of their lives, you know, or if they gained five or 10 pounds, they were able to get it off if they used their usual tricks, as I call it. And then all of a sudden, they get to that midlife transition, you know, transitioning into menopause. And it's like everything stopped working. These women would universally grab their bellies and shake them in front of me and say, what is this? Why is this happening? And until it started happening to me, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, work, go to the gym more, keep a food journal, all the things. I was having them focus on the quantity of the food they were eating and not the quality. Yes. that That's one of the things several years ago that I tried to do. I mean, I tried to focus on the quantity, but then it slowly transitioned into the quality of the food that I was eating. So to me, what I discovered, so when I started going through it myself, I went through all the things, anger, denial, you know, all the seven stages of grief when you're facing weight gain that you can't figure out why it's not coming off. Yeah. And finally, I, you know, my husband was like, you keep talking about this, but you know, and you're, you're frustrated. You're weighing yourself every day. You're becoming obsessed. He's like, you can figure this out. What you're doing is not working. That's the first step. So I'm like, okay. So I marched over to the nutrition department at our, the university I was working with at the time and said, Hey, you know, what are the studies? What's going on? They said, well, most of the studies are done on 25 year old male athletes or on the elderly. We don't have a lot in the middle. I said, well, okay, okay. That's, that's fair. What do we have? And so I looked at several components. I looked at the fads. I looked at everything and everything kept coming back, at least for our age. You and I are, you know, 40s to 50s. I'm 51. Was there's this recurring theme of inflammation. Yes. The deeper I dove into that, it all started coming together and making sense. And so when I chose the components, you know, and at the time I was just trying to fix me. I had no intention of taking this to the patients. It was a personal journey of selfish of me trying to fix myself. And so I thought, okay, if, if starving myself by limiting calories is not going to work, I'm doing something wrong. And what was I eating? Stuff out of bags and boxes and bars and, and things that were heavily processed and had lots of, you know, chemical additives and artificial flavors and colorings. And what I didn't realize with all of that stuff was causing more inflammation. And then that pathway, if you're not careful, is exquisitely sensitive to your nutritional choices. And if you've got high levels of chronic inflammation, it is very difficult to get the weight off and keep it off. Oh, yes. I'm a big proponent of if you want a cookie, make your own cookie or something. You know, at least you know what's going in it. You can use better ingredients. Uh, because one thing I noticed is if I buy 
something from the store, it feels like it never satisfies. But if I make it, it doesn't take much of it to satisfy me. There you go. And when we're we're doing, especially it's the baked goods that tend to be such a bad actor yes. when we're looking at things that cause inflammation. Couple of reasons. When you're looking at a commercially baked good, they're typically using processed carbo. They're using fl- white flour. And I mean, which tastes good, but they, you know, you've taken a nice cereal grain of wheat, you've stripped it of the grain, you've stripped, I mean, you've stripped it of the bran and the fiber, you've stripped it of the germ with all the vitamins and nutrients and all you're left with is starch and sugar. Yes. And so now we're going to mix up more sugar and we're also going to mix it with usually one of the oils that is highly inflammatory, like corn oil. That's high in omega-6, which is a, a inflammatory precursor. And then we're going to add like butter. So some saturated fat and not all saturated fat is bad, but you know, you, you throw, throw things so much out of whack and balance. And so now you've got this commercially processed and now they're going to add a little bit of artificial flavoring and coloring to make it more attractive, make it smell better. Make, and now we're going to put some preservatives in there to make it last longer on the shelf, which also causes inflammation. So you've got this one innocent looking cookie that causes inflammation in six different ways. Yes. You know, with, had you taken some, you know, whole wheat and baked your own little sweet something, you, you maybe just two things. And so, and you just eat it in moderation, you will do a lot better. Oh, yes. One thing I've studied too is how the, the industry makes their food, like you said, in a way to make you, you're never satisfied. Of course, it tastes really good, but it, that won't help your, your weight loss goals or even your health goals. Oh, it's, it's called optimizing. And if you read, you know, the, the, data behind what they do in the lab in order to make the food smell better, taste better, more attractive. They just pack it full of chemicals and and they do it to kids' food too, like kids' cereals. It's really sad and it's completely only meant to get these kids addicted to it or get us addicted to it so that we're not satisfied. We want more. We need more the next time to get the same dopamine receptor you know, response in our brain for that pleasure center to go off. And then it's followed by the inevitable blood sugar crash. Then you make more bad decisions. I mean, it's just this awful, awful cycle that we get into when we when we have abundance of those foods. I know. One thing, too, I wanted to ask you about, I know you said in your own trying to figure this out, did you do anything like with your sleeping habits or did you notice that you needed to maybe change your the way you dealt with stress? I, I've had to do some major changes in my life and that way good changes. I mean, they needed to be done anyway especially watching my sleeping patterns. That's a great point. Um, certainly, I was starting to suffer sleep disruption. One, as a gynec- as an OB-GYN, my sleep patterns were awful because of the min- you know, 2 a.m. deliveries. Well, I've been able to change my schedule to alleviate that for the most part. However, my sleep was becoming disrupted as the estrogen withdrawals were going through. I was getting the hot flushes at night. And not only was I sweating, but I would wake up like instantly awake. And my, you know, the melatonin levels were going down. Changing my diet ameliorated that quite a bit. And I was a little shocked. I mean, not only the the scale benefits, which were great, the pounds melted off, but the non-scale benefits. My brain fog was much better, sleeping much sounder. And that gave me kind of space in my life. I started meditating with an app. I started journaling. All those things have kind of fed into me developing this program you know, to help women age well, and the weight loss just becomes a side effect. Yes, I'm a big proponent of that also, that you don't just focus on the number on the scale. There's non-scale things that go into, you're not just a one-dimensional person. You know, you mentioned about the sleep habits, you know, your schedule, the way your job is, 
you you know you have to be up late sometimes but i'm lucky i have a job where now i can kind of take my breaks as i need to if i need time to just uh, tell them hey i got to step out for a second i'm able to do that and even the meditation you know i have an app called brain fm I think that's what it's called that I use. I can just put it on for a few minutes and it helps helps me to, to calm down a little bit so I don't go run to food to try and self-medicate real fast or to get energy. Exactly. I, I, I'm a huge proponent of that. You know, most people end up turning to the Galveston diet, you know, because they food has become a crutch or alcohol or something that has led to them not living their best life through best health. And so it's been wonderful for me, one, I've got, you know, two teenage daughters. The meditation is definitely helpful. <laughs> uh, at least I'm, you know, our problems don't go away, but my ability to manage them is definitely better. Yes. I think that that's a huge, huge. And I have a friend I just met this weekend and she has three younger kids and she, we were talking about the whole time factor and, and getting the rest. And, um, you know, I told her, I was like, why don't you just tell the kids it's quiet time and we're done for a while. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to ask you about was I was watching one of your videos and you were talking about the the exercise aspect, fitness aspect of when we get to a certain point, especially ladies in our life, how we're usually taught that cardio, cardio, cardio is the way to go. And we used to do that. You know, I, I grew up in the 80s and I remember the whole low fat cardio phase thing, fat's bad, Jane Fonda workouts. And um, um, yep. that to me in my research was one of the most interesting and really I had to, you know, one of the things I have to help people rewire the hardest. They are like, but I walk, I walk every day, I walk every day. I'm like, that's fabulous. That's great for your cardiovascular health. But one of the things that also happens and that ex it go from our mid thirties, but it really accelerates as we start going through menopause is the loss of muscle mass. It's called sarcopenia. It's actually a natural, normal problem process. But again, exquisitely sense that you can slow it down dramatically by watching your diet, making sure you get enough protein of good protein sources and weight bearing exercise. It's huge because if you can, when we lose the muscle mass, we also lose our basal metabolic rate. Those muscles keep us burning calories at rest. Okay. And so part of the reason we have this unexplained weight gain in midlife, not, not just inflammation is that as we lose this muscle mass, because we're not using it, using it appropriately, and keeping them strong is your BMI, your basic metabolic rate goes down. So you don't need as many calories throughout the day to maintain. I can't tell you how many patients come to me and they're like, I'm doing everything the same, everything the same, everything the same, and I'm gaining weight. I'm like, okay, your body's changing. So you've got to change with your body. You have to start thinking of your body as something separate than your brain. Okay. <laughs> and that yes. you know, as much as we can are in control of that body and we have, it's going to do what we tell it. And so Weight-bearing exercise is something where you are pushing against your body weight, you know, and you can start slow and work out at least three times a week is what you're going to need to maintain that muscle strength. And only, not only that, as we continue to age, you know, I'm sure like like you, Gwen, my parents, if you're, you're lucky enough that yours are still alive, mine are in their 80s. And so I'm watching their loss of function. And, you know, my parents were big-time joggers in the 70s. They had the, you know, the track suits with stripes up the side that yeah. matched. But you know, they have not done any weight bearing and I'm watching their muscles just go away and they're having trouble getting off the toilet, getting out of the tub. You know, my mom fell. She's fallen twice this year. So that's the other thing is that we can limit those, you know, aging complications of falls and loss of mobility with this muscle training in our 40s and 50s and continuing it. I mean, does it have to be heavy training? Because I know sometimes ladies or 
worried about getting, I mean, we want muscle definition, but we don't want to have muscles bulging out everywhere. Right. And so, no, it doesn't have to be much. I'm talking two, three, five, seven, eight pounders, you know, that's all you need to make you know, yeah, you can buy those anywhere or you can order them on Amazon if you want to. Target, Walmart. I'm a big fan. Um, I'm not a coach, but I really enjoy um, the Beachbody workouts. For $99 a year, I have unlimited access online to all of their programs. And so with Galveston Diet, we have these support groups. And so we'll say, all right, everybody, January 1st, we're starting this video program. And it's just an accountability group for, okay, I did the workout number 15 today. And you post a little sweaty selfie <laughs> of yourself. It's a nice way to kind of, you know, if you wanted, if your listeners want to get their girlfriends together or, and everybody, let's do this program together. Even though you're each doing it in your living room, you know, you're making some kind of a communication that you're getting it done. But, you know, if you can't afford that, YouTube, there's tons of free exercise videos with weights. You just have to, you just need a flat surface, a safe space, a glass of water, some stretchy pants, and, you know, go to Target and buy a couple of small dumbbells and get started. Yes. I've always told people that they're like, oh, I can't afford it. YouTube, type in your search, like you said, of weighted workouts. If you want it to be even a certain length, if let's say you only have 30 minutes, you can type 30 minute workout with weights. It'll give you a whole selection there. The other thing I do is I'll go to Pinterest and look up a few workouts. I'll print them out and I'll have them on the wall. So I, I've turned the front of my garage into like a little gym area. It's not fancy. It's got some mats and, you know, our weights are lined up there, but I'll, I'll print these workouts out and I'll just tape them to the wall. So then I have no excuse. You know, there's something there for me to do, even if the Wi-Fi is down and I can't get to me to buy But, uh, but you figured it out. That's the thing. You, and now that you're able to help your patients to figure out the same thing. Right. I was going to say, uh, so you've talked about the Galveston diet. You know, you've mentioned it several times. And uh, what is the Galveston diet and how did you create it? So, you know, after my own frustration with myself, I said, okay, let's ta- let's see if we can tackle this inflammation. What do we know in the medical data and literature and the studies will fight inflammation? So the Galveston diet has three components. The first one is intermittent fasting. And that can be the scariest, most you know, thing that worries uh, patients or students the most is, oh my God, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I work out in the morning. How am I not going to eat? Honestly, it is the scariest thing, but it is the easiest thing to do. Um, it's free. It doesn't require any equipment. And once you master it, it takes about a month to master it. Once you get there, you are amazed at yourself. And yes, you do actually lose a little bit of weight. But what it does for you as far as inflammation and brain fog is huge. You feel so much better. That central fat starts shifting. You know, your clothes fit better. And our students for Galveston Diet just love it. So that's the first component. The second component is taking a good, hard look at nutrition. And I do a deep dive into the science of what causes inflammation for most of us and then what foods we know are inflammation fighters. So, you know, things that cause inflammation, artificial coloring, artificial flavorings, high amounts of omega-6 fatty acids, saturated fat, large amounts of saturated fat. We can have some nitrates in meats, you know, things that are heavily processed, sugar, sugar, sugar pops up like nine out of 10 times, everything from starch to added sugars to processed sugars. And so then we look at things. What do we know fights inflammation? Well, lot, most of the fruits and vegetables all have nat- and whole fruits, whole vegetables, not juice, not processed, not out of a bag. When things, you know, in the produce department have so many naturally occurring compounds that are natural antioxidants and anti-inflammatories. And so we focus on 
slowly getting rid of those things if you were eating a diet heavy in those. So, so the standard American diet, the traditional Western diet, which most Americans are eating now, are heavily loaded because of convenience. Yes. Now, I'm not knocking people. They don't get up in the morning and go, well, I want to be unhealthy. They're like, I've got to rush here, rush there, rush there. And food takes a low priority. And the food companies aren't really telling you 100% how dangerous some of these substances can be. I mean, I fed my kids chicken nuggets. I bought stuff that was frozen. I was rushing, but I didn't, you know, have a framework to understand at the time why these, how these things could be harmful. And then what kind of uh, messaging I was teaching my kids that, you know, rushing from A to B is more important than nutritional choices. I mean, I could just kick myself now that I actually did that. And so the second component is in anti-inflammatory approach to nutrition. And the third component for those who are really focused on weight loss is breaking the addiction to carbohydrates, you know, because not only is there a physical addiction, there is a huge psychological condition. You know, we're conditioned to hate fat. We think it's bad for you. And actually there's lots of fats that are super healthy and super good for you. So it's like switching your body's dependence off of carbohydrates. And we give you a very, you know, firm framework to do that. And we teach you how to, you know, even with the fasting, start burning fat more often to get the weight off. And so I did it to myself first. The weight came right off. And then my girlfriends were like, what are you doing? What's what's going on? You look great. What's happening? I'm like, I don't know. I just did some research and came up with this plan. They're like, well, we want to do it. <laughs> so I went off the depot and made some copies and like handed them out to my group of girlfriends. And then they were like, oh my God, this is so amazing. They start sharing recipes. So then I started telling patients about it. And then I the patients would find me on Facebook and they wanted to know more. So then I started making these Facebook accountability groups, 1,500 people in 15 different groups, all doing the Galveston diet together in, in their respective groups. And it just became this thing. Like I started becoming known for it. And then I had some savvy entrepreneur physician friends who were like, listen, Mary Claire, this is a thing you need to figure out. This could be a business for you. This could be a side hustle. You know, this could be something. And I'm a big fan for every woman in this country having multiple sources of income. And I'm going to say that loud and proud, Yes, you know? We're raising the kids, we're feeding the kids, we're doing everything for the kids. And sometimes a partner in that is a, is a luxury. And so if you're doing it on your own, you know, or there's a possibility you might have to do it on your own. I am a big fan. I've had side hustles since I was 10 years old. Oh, no, <laughs> so, I'm a big believer um, in that too. So I decided, you know, and I asked all of the Galveston Diet participants, what do you think is a fair price for this? So they helped me price it. I turned it into an online course. So the diet Galveston Diet Signature Program is a self-study online. It's me talking videos. I have links. I have journal articles. I have, I know adults learn because I've been an adult teacher, you know, most of my professional life teaching residents and med students. And so I know that everybody learns a little bit different. So some of them want to hear my voice. Some of them want to read and underline and highlight. Some of them like pictures and graphics. I present all the phases of the, the components of the plan in this online program. And then we have five weeks of meal plans to help people get started on the back end. Awesome. Do you count calories at all in your plan or is it mostly just, you know, being conscious? We break up with calories. It's really fun. And it really freaks people out because we've been conditioned and I was too to count calories, but it takes a little, it's a little bit of a psychological hump to get over. But once you do it and you're just focused on the quality of the food, the calories really stop mattering. Now, if they're really, if they're doing everything right and they're struggling with weight loss, they may be overeating. So then I'll go in with them and do a one-on-one and take a look at, you know, what they're doing. But for most people, it is this beautifully freeing experience to not be obsessed with calories anymore, to just look at food from a new, like when I look at food now, I look at it like, oh my God, there's so many antioxidant foods on my plate. This is going to make me so healthy. I'm not counting calories. I don't care. 
because I'm eating good whole food. Well, I think we get to a point where we, when we're looking at the quality of the food that you, and you change the way that you eat, your body doesn't want that other stuff anymore. You, you're better at regulating what goes in your body. You break, you start breaking the addictions. And when you feel better, you know, the psychological component kicks in as well when you just don't want that anymore. I'm glad you said that because that's kind of where I am right now. Someone offered me donuts the other day, candy bars, and I was like, I really don't want it, first of all, because I know how it makes me feel. And I I just really didn't want it anymore. It's not my thing. And that is one of my favorite things to hear people say is that they've totally, it's just changed their mindset. You know, they might have a little bit here and there to be polite at a party or something, but it just, they just don't want it. You know, it's just something that they know what it's going to do to their body. And they'd rather just have a bowl of berry instead if they want something sweet. Yes. One thing, too, when you talk about helping people by tracking their food, I, I, kept, I keep a food journal still. It's been several years. Mm-hmm. But I noticed when I used to eat carb, a lot of carbohydrates, especially around lunch, I couldn't function hardly the rest of the day. And that's why I kind mm-hmm. of changed the way I eat even for lunch. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's the, the scientific data behind that when we, when we do these carbohydrate loads and then the insulin levels go up in response to the sugar, and then we have this drop in our blood sugar compensatory to the insulin rise, everything slows down. You're sluggish. If you do the maze, you know, if you put the rats through the maze or you do the humans doing the tic-tac-toe or whatever, you're much, much slower. So what people love about intermittent fasting, especially is most of us fast in the morning and your brain actually works better. You're way more clear. You get more work done. And, and that's one of the non-skill benefits is the brain fog is so much better. Okay. So one of the things that um, I also wanted to ask you about is with your patients that you, you started introducing this to them. How did you handle it when you knew maybe they needed something like this and they were kind of hesitant to maybe talk to you about it? Well, I it, that's a delicate subject. And <laughs> it's so sad. If you know anybody in the healthcare field, we are now beholden to our patient satisfaction scores. And I know if I unsolicited talk to a patient about her weight, she's going to give me a bad score. And so it's a terrible thing. I mean, that is my job as a physician, but I know she's going to mark me low because I've upset her or hurt her feelings or whatever. And you know, what I've realized is I don't have to tell a woman in this country she has a weight problem. She knows, but is she ready to talk about it? And so when they open the door for me, I would just pour it in and be like, look, you know, I've got this program. It focuses on decreasing inflammation. It looks like it's doing great for weight loss. Is this something you'd be willing to try? And, you know, at the time, I, when I, I, I haven't, I stopped doing traditional clinical practice last year so I could focus on Galveston diet. So at the time, I'd give it to them for free because I felt like it was unethical for me to sell something while they were doing a well woman exam. So, but they were, you know, that door open and they were so gracious and happy to have some kind of a solution. One of the things that keeps me going with this, because like any entrepreneur, it's a roller coaster and I have good days and bad days is students in the program telling me, you know, I had given up. I had absolutely given up. I was just going to be overweight or carry this weight around for the rest of my life. I was going to have achy joints. I was going to sleep poorly. Like this was just going to be my life. And that we have been able to change that for them. And the quality of their life is so much better outside of the scale. You know, they stopped talking about the scale at that point, that just the you know major aspects of their life are so much better. And that is what keeps me going. Uh, do you ever talk about in your course about the emotional impact of eating, how some of us may like I'm an emotional eater. I've used food as a way to cope with life. 
do you give people ways that they can do other, you know, cope with life without having to turn to food in your program? So we offer what we call the daily recharge journal. And it sounds something, a tool similar to what you were talking about earlier, where um, when they start the program, they have the option to download a guide. And it's, there's a video from a mindset person who talks about self-sabotage. So probably about half of our students have that deep emotional tide of food. And so she helps them through a video course with that. And then there's a six week journal, which I think is great for everyone where we talk about goals, gratitude, challenges you have for the day, like giving things up to God or the universe or whatever, you know, works for you, you know, just getting, taking that five, 10 minutes a day to carve out some time to put those thoughts and feelings on paper. You all, we also talk about, you know, what are their, their goals for their macros for the day and, and their exercise plan and all that. There's room on that page. We do that for 42 days straight. Um, when they start the program, that really helps provide some support and framework. Now, outside of the online program, we do have private coaching groups. And so there's a little more interactive support on those as well. But that's that's not required. That's an elective thing. Because everybody handles things differently. Oh, yeah, that's that's one thing that why I like to present to to my listeners, you know, it's not just do it this way, or this one program is the only way to go. We all we're all at different points. So we're all at different points in our life, you know, what we maybe need with our food goals. And one thing I did like that you said, you know, you don't just focus on, okay, here's your macros, here's what you eat. We also need to know, were you having a bad day? Is that maybe why you ate the way you did? And what can we do in the future to make that better? Make that better. Exactly. The other thing that my program does is it also, I really do a deep dive into the science. I've always had a gift for taking something kind of complicated and explaining it in layman's terms. I did it for 20 years in private practice. OBGYN is complicated, hormones and surgery and all these things. And so I always had this wonderful rapport with my patients to be able to take something that just seemed overwhelming and complicated and break it down. So that's what I've done in the program, because when you're faced with those challenges, studies have shown if you understand the science behind why not to eat this or eat that or choose this over that, you're more likely to stick with it rather than this Mary Claire Haver told you to do it, you know, and I'm just going to follow her blindly. You're making educated decisions rather than just, you know, a blinded decision. Like I said, I think education is key. One of your videos I watched, you did talk about how in the food industry, usually when they take something away, like if something's fat free or low fat, guess what it's replaced with? Usually it's yeah. sugar. Sugar. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, and that's part of, you know, their job is food and sell more. And, I, you know, I can't blame them for that. I come from a restaurant family. I get a little bit of that. But, you know, when it just becomes basically poisonous, <laughs> I have to draw the line. Yes. I mean, I tell people, I it's not that I don't want you to enjoy your food, but you need to know what you're putting into your body and why it's making you want to eat more. Right. Well, Dr. Haber... Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us today about like how people can contact you or if they have more information about your program or you know how they can find you on social media? Sure. Well, first, I'd like to say thank you for having me on. This was a pleasure. Second of all, you guys are not stuck. There are multiple really good programs out there. And if the Galveston diet doesn't resonate with you or you don't feel like it's something that will work for you, just keep looking. There are multiple solutions out there that, that will probably work. But the first thing you have to do is realize what you're doing right now is not working. And it's probably not your fault. You know, things are changing in your body that you don't understand. And then if you can change your, that are actually really exquisite to your nutritional choices. So if you can get your head wrapped around what nutritional changes you need to make, you're likely going to feel a lot better. You can find us at galvestondiet.com. 
we have a website. Um, and also that will take you to the program if you want to learn more. On the website, we have sample meal plans. I have a blog. There's video links. There's lots of things for you to explore and learn. It's mostly educational. But if you're interested in the program, there's uh, an enroll button, which will take you to the website where the course is hosted if you want to learn more about that. I'm also on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram, all as Galveston Diet. Well, I want to thank you for coming today. And I'll put all that information in the show notes. So if anybody, you know, make it easy for them to find you. Okay, great. You have a good day and thank you again. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only. I'm not a medical professional. You should consult with your doctor or medical professional before beginning any weight loss or exercise program.